Go ahead, Orchid. Okay. Yes, hello. Good afternoon. I'm getting myself situated here. All right. Hello, good afternoon. And welcome to the Mayor's Disability Council this Friday. Today is Friday, July 15th, 2022. And we are hosting a virtual meeting today. This meeting is broadcast to the public on sfgov.tv. It is open captioned and sign language interpreted. And you can click on your Zoom screen to make sure that you have uh, can see the interpreters. Typically, we have nine public meetings per year. And they are generally held on the third Friday of the month. Please call the mayor's office on disability for further information or to request accommodations. And the phone number is 415-554-6789. This is a voice line, but you can also email us at mod at sfgov.org. Our next regular public meeting will be on Friday September 16th, 2022, from 1 to 4 p.m. As co-chair, I would like to address the topic of civility during MDC meetings. Disagreement will always play a role in government. However, the key is to focus on strengths and weaknesses of proposed solutions to community problems, not to engage in personal attacks against those who favor different solutions. We welcome all points of view on these issues that are faced by people with disabilities. And we encourage ideas rather than hostile verbal assaults. We want to listen to your feedback and we want to engage with the community. The MDC members pledge to treat each other and members of the public with respect. And we expect the same from the public. A reminder to everyone joining us, we ask that you please speak slowly, speak, please speak slowly to help facilitate the interpretation and captioning of the meeting. Also, please be aware that during this meeting, MDC members and MOD staff will turn off their videos if they are not speaking in order for the interpretation process to work successfully.
So if you don't see people's videos, the reason being is for accessibility so that the interpreters and speakers can be hot, hot, spotlighted. It can be distracting to have videos going off and on. So we want to make sure that people are able to view the accessible points of this meeting as needed. The next uh, item on the agenda is for the clerk to call uh, to do roll call. So Iman, will you please administer the roll call? All right. So for roll call, we have Alex Madrid, Orchid Sasutni. I, uh, this is oh. Orchid. I believe he will be showing up later this afternoon. So if you can bear with us, I think Alex will be joining us shortly. Thank you. Orchid Sasuni. And I am present. Sherry Albers. I am present. Denise Senhal. I am present. Helen Smolinski. Present. Jashawn Lewis Woods. Ananya Tandon Verma. And that concludes the roll call. Great, thank you, Iman. Now we're going to read and approve the agenda. Would you mind reading today's agenda, please? And that would also be Iman reading the agenda. All right, so for today's agenda, we have item number one, which is welcome and roll call. Item number two is an action item, which is reading and approval of the agenda. Item number three is general public comment. Item number four is a information item, which is a co-chair report. Item five is a report from the mayor's office on disability. Item six is a discussion item which is better Market Street Accessibility Improvements Update. That's presented by Christina Olea from the Department of Public Works. Item seven is a discussion item, which is a report and listening session for the city and county of San Francisco disability access priorities. Item eight is information item, which is correspondence. Item nine is general public comment. Item 10 is information item, council member comments and announcements. And item 11 is adjournment. Great, thank you so much Iman for reading the agenda. And I'm wondering if any of the council members have any questions about the agenda today or comments about the agenda specifically. If not, then we can approve the meeting, uh, move to approve the meeting. Move to approve the agenda, rather. I move that. This is Denise, I second it. Wonderful, so it's been, council members have uh, uh, moved uh, to approve the agenda and seconded it. So then uh, are there any public comments at this time? Iman, will you please 
open the um, meeting to public comment at this time. This is a general public comment opportunity. Yes, so we welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for public comment at the beginning and end of the meeting, as well as after specific items on MDC agendas. Each comment is limited to three minutes, although comments may be limited to two minutes when there's a long queue of people waiting to make comments. At the end of the comment period, we'll move on to the next commenter. If you want the council to respond to your comments after the meeting, please provide your contact information by email message to mdc at sfgov.org with subject MDC comment reply request. You may also provide additional comments by email to this address or by calling 415-554-6789. Members of the public can join the meeting as a Zoom webinar participant and will be able to make public comment during the public comment periods. You can join the webinar by using the Zoom link. You can also join by phone by dialing 669-900-6833. The webinar ID 854-1955-0368. If you join the webinar using your computer or tablet or smartphone Zoom app, click on the three horizontal dots icon and then click on raise hand or click on the raise hand icon and you will be recognized when it's your turn. You can also use the Q&A feature in the Zoom webinar to be recognized or to make a comment. If you wish to be recognized, type into the Q&A box that you want to hit a, make a comment and hit send. You can also type your comment into the Q&A box and the clerk will read it for you. If you join by phone, dial star nine when you want to be recognized. You will be prompted when it's your turn to make comments. We welcome suggestions about how to make the MDC meetings more accessible. Please send an email to mod at sfgov.org. If you need assistance accessing um, the meeting during the meeting, please call 415-919-9562 or send an email to MDC. Vehicle crashed. Uh, at NBC Bay Area. 44 minutes ago. NBC Bay Area. Outlook. NBC Bay Area. 45 minutes ago. Can you mute, please? This is the interpreter, Iman. Could you just back up and. and I will repeat. Yes. If you need assistance accessing the meeting during the meeting, please call 415. 919-9562 or send an email to mdc at sfgov.org. So at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that are not on this meeting agenda. For agenda items, you will have an opportunity to address the council when that item is reached during the meeting. The Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda 
including those items raised by public comment. And so at this time, I do see at least one member of the public who's indicated that they want to make public comment. One moment, please. Okay, so uh, William Rayling, you've been permitted to unmute. Hello, hello, this is Will Rayling, and I am speaking on behalf of Accessible San Francisco. Accessible San Francisco is an unincorporated nonprofit association. I would like to make this general public comment about an issue that is reducing the amount of accessibility that is required in bathrooms, which businesses provide to us, both when there is new construction and when there are renovations of existing businesses. I'm sure we are all in favor of the trend toward gender-neutral bathrooms. In general, this is progress in society uh, and protection for people from discriminatory things that are going on in other states, for example. However, there is an accessibility issue that needs to be addressed. What has happened is that in many instances, converting bathrooms to gender neutral has resulted in a reduction in accessibility. Let me explain. Until recently, all but the tiniest businesses had to have two bathrooms, one for men, one for women, and both had to be fully accessible. Now, beginning a few years ago, when the trend for uh, toward gender neutral bathrooms began, the result was that instead of both bathrooms being fully accessible, only one of them has to be fully accessible. The reason for this is that when you have two identical bathrooms, it is okay if only one is accessible. It is called being a cluster. When you have a cluster of identical bathrooms, and that can be just two, that is a cluster, then you ha only have to make one accessible. So imagine waiting in line in, in some business to use the restrooms, um, uh, and there's two of them. Currently, you could wait for whichever one opens up first, um, but you know what's happening more and more is only one of the two bathrooms is accessible, and you have to wait for that one only. Uh, so our suggestion is that San Francisco consider making building and plumbing code uh, adjustments, which will restore the accessibility that was formerly required. By the way, this issue is now becoming an even bigger deal uh, because the next step now in gender neutrality is to have even large multi-user bathrooms become uh, gender neutral. Again, this is you know an adm admirable trend and admirable effort, but uh, there needs to be some attention paid in the local building and plumbing codes to make sure that this doesn't result in a uh, reduction in the availability of accessible features for people who, who need them. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment. At this time, I see no other members of the public who've indicated they wanna make public comment. Wonderful, thank you so much. 
I appreciate the public comment. And now we'll go ahead and move on to approval of the agenda. We're gonna switch sign language interpreters right now, one moment. Okay, we're waiting for the switch, great. Okay, perfect. All right, so now we're looking at item number four. Information and the, it's an information item, it's the co-chair report. Now, since the month of June, the MDC meeting represented the MDC at board supervisors budget meetings in support of a list of items. So what the things that they asked for were funding for a map that shows <clears throat> accessible information, <clears throat> accessibility information for Golden Gate Park. The second was accessibility improvements to the Conservatory of Flowers at Golden Gate Park again. The next one was accessibility improvements to the Conservatory of Flowers. And they're talking about breaking, the, enhancing the and replacing the SRO elevators. The next one is enhanced IT communications and infrastructure for San Francisco government to enable both virtual and accessible public participation in government meetings and activities. Last, additional staffing for public work sidewalks inspectors. Sidewalk inspectors. So there is a need for that. Also, the MDC has been corresponding to the director of the board of the MTA in support of reinstating the mask requirement. And this is for public transportation, mass transit. And this will, they will continue to support this. And they are in favor of this issue and hope to meet the MTA's representatives and disability advocates. They'll be getting together. Moving on. Item number five, <clears throat> an information item. It's a report from the mayor's office on disability, MOD. In regards to this report, please refer to item number seven. And you can see the listening session there the, for their report. It's the Council of Disabilities, uh, Disability Access for 2022-2023 year. So please notice that the director's report to the MDC can be found on the MOD website. And this is a new area that you need to notice. And then once you go there, you can find it. It's new information. Okay, so you look at what's new. Now item number six is a discussion item. And this is a Market Street access improvement updates. And the presenter for this is going to be Christina Olia, Department of Public Works. Sorry, DPW, just that that's the acronym for that Department of Public Works. And we want to ask if there are any public comments at this time. And if you do, please raise your hand and we will uh, recognize you. But it has to be specific to this topic. So please raise your hand if you have a comment about this. Just a, 
excuse me, um, Orchid, um, the public yes. comments will come after the presentation. Oh, after, okay, great. Okay, thank you, I apologize. Right, so after the presentation is over, then you may raise your hands for public comments. So Christina, if you please go ahead and get started with your presentation. So we were, my screen was covered, so I wasn't able to see this, but let's go ahead. If we go with gallery view, we'll be able to see. Okay, Christina. Good afternoon. My name is Christina Olea, and I'm with San Francisco Public Works. I'm the project manager for Better Market Street. And I'm joined today by Britt Tanner, senior engineer with the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. or SFMTA. The last time we presented at MDC was March 2019. And a lot has happened since then. The basis of Better Market Street remains the same. The full project is 2.2 miles from Stewart to Octavia. It is a joint effort including Public Works, MTA, San Francisco PUC, the Transportation Authority, and the Planning Department. Our goals are to create a sense of place improving mobility and safety and helping support economic development along the corridor. The project started in 2010. Since then, We've had six rounds of community outreach. We held focus groups hosted by Lighthouse for the Blind and MOD. We, held, we gave updates with the Senior and Disability Action our community working group, our community working group meets every other month and includes representatives from throughout the corridor. 
we are also creating a business working group to include local businesses. In January of 2020, we implemented a quick build project that made Market Street car-free. It went into effect just six weeks before COVID. Since then, our focus has been mid-market between 5th and 8th streets, which is the location of our first construction project. Through the chair, Christina, this is Nicole speaking. If you speak at about this pace, we'll be fine with the interpreting, so you can speak a little bit faster. Okay, thanks, okay. Nicole. Thank you. I've been just, watching. Just a, and, and this is Orchid, just speak at a normal rate. Okay, I've been watching you, so <laughs> sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. We really appreciate your sensitivity, but you can speak a little faster. Okay, this slide is showing the map of our first phase between 5th and McAllister, skipping the F loop, and then moving to 7th and 8th, between 7th and 8th streets. This first phase of construction includes five traffic signal upgrades, repaving of the curb lane and intersections, widening the sidewalk at Hyde and Market, 6th and Market, and Market, Mason and Turk to shorten crossing distances and improve safety. The project also includes streetscape improvements, new trees, benches, and bike racks. We're also improving drainage near 6th Street, and there will be minimal work to the overhead contact system, sewers, subsidewalk basements, and one fire hydrant that needs to move. This work is triggered by the rest of the work in the project. It's important to note that the sidewalk level bikeway that was part of the project early on has been eliminated from this segment. And I know that was a concern for many people. I wanted to highlight the accessibility improvements that are part of the project. For the first phase of construction, between 5th and 8th streets, we'll be repaving the crosswalks, which are in poor condition. All of the crossings will have accessible pedestrian signals. We'll be constructing ADA-compliant curb ramps that are twice as wide as the ones today. We'll be replacing sidewalks at the corners with pavers 
that meet our ADA guidelines with increased slip resistance and minimized vibrations for wheelchair users. We're also opening the crosswalk at Market and Hyde from BART and the Orpheum to the main library. A high priority for the city is also constructing new center boarding islands that are fully accessible for people boarding the F-Line streetcars or buses. Our departments are working close together to develop a funding plan and schedule for the boarding islands. This slide is showing the new trees that will be planted. The signature tree along Market Street is the London plane tree. We'll continue to plant that, as well as some Chinese elm and Brisbane box. If you've been to the new Trinity building near 8th and Market, they have already planted all um, three of these trees and they are doing well, they're thriving. This slide shows a picture of the concrete pavers. They're wider and longer and will be in a stacked pattern, um, which will be easier to navigate. And then the bike racks will be the city standard bike racks. We will be installing a mix of benches, some with backrests and armrests, and benches will provide wheelchair user areas for accessible companion seating. This slide is showing an example of where the seating will be in front of Trinity um, near 8th and Market. There's one long bench parallel to the street. Just a moment, Christina, we have an issue with the um, pinning of the interpreters, just a second. We're waiting for the interpreters to be spotlighted correctly. The wrong interpreter is spotlit. All right, thank you. So in this diagram, there's one bench parallel to the roadway facing the buildings, and then two seats facing each other nearby. And there's a second set of benches further down, closer to 1155 Market. My last slide shows our construction schedule for phase one. We awarded the construction contract in May of this year this summer, we'll be issuing the notice to proceed to our contractor. They will start to mobilize for construction and we'll also be conducting public outreach, letting everyone know what to expect during construction. Actual groundbreaking is expected to happen later this year in fall or winter. The construction contract is for 20 months from the notice to proceed to completion. But actual construction on the street 
we expect to take 16 months. So a little under a year and a half. And we look forward to working with you and letting everyone know what our construction activities will be and what you can expect during construction. Britt and I are available to answer any questions you have. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Christina. That's great. So now we can um, open it up for public comments first on this topic, and then we will ask council members to make uh, comments as well. So we'll look for people's hands up first. So if you're interested, uh, public members to make a comment, please raise your hand at this time and the clerk will recognize you. As a reminder to the public, if you're using the Zoom platform, you can raise your hand by clicking on the raise hand icon. And if you're calling in by phone, you can dial star nine to raise your hand. Right now, I see one member of the public interested in making public comment. Will, you've been permitted to unmute. Hi, this is Will Railing again for Accessible San Francisco, an unincorporated nonprofit association. Um, thank you for the great presentation. Um, I would like to single uh, everyone involved out for praise on the outreach that was done. Uh, it certainly sounds like uh, you made every effort to uh, consult with many different relevant um, groups and uh, with a focus on the users who will benefit from this uh, extra accessibility. You know, often in uh, city uh, projects or city policies, there's, uh, you hear the word uh, stakeholder use, like we are consulting with the stakeholders. And it turns out the stakeholders are, you know, the businesses, the architects, uh, you know, the contractors, uh, but not the people who actually benefit from these improvements or would, would benefit from these improvements. So here you clearly did that. And I just wanted to say thank you. Um, on the substance of all the different accessibility you're providing, um, uh, from the accessible pedestrian uh, signals to, and, and everything else, um, getting a firm impression that you're, the city's actually going beyond minimum requirements. And that's wonderful. That's always good to see. And it shows uh, a philosophy of, uh, you know, universal design and access rather than just uh, we're complying with the, the minimums. Um, and uh, going forward, obviously this is major construction. Um, and I, I think compared to other cities, uh, San Francisco typically does better on the issue of maintaining the accessible routes during construction. Um, there are certainly things that I've noticed uh, that the city does, which is excellent. Uh, for example, around scaffolding. Um, however, it's a challenge, right? And I just wanna uh, communicate to the members uh, and the public that uh, anyone encountering uh, a temporary uh, rerouting that is not accessible, um, please report that right away because I'm sure that's not the intention and that steps will be taken to 
to fix that. Um, thank you. <clears throat> thank you so much, Will, uh, for the comments there. Uh, are there any more publics at this uh, public comments at this time? Please raise your hand if so. I do not see any other public commenters at this time. Okay, great. So moving forward, now we want to um, see if there's, uh, moving forward from public comment, rather, excuse me here, we want to direct it to the council members. Are there any uh, comments from the council members at this time? Anyone have their hand raised? I see Denise uh, and recognize you as uh, being able to speak at this time. Um, thank you very much. I just want to also commend the uh, presenter on the presentation and kind of piggyback what the gentleman said during public comment on your efforts of outreach. And again, all the improvements that you're doing, not only to the you know pavement, but also signals, you know, curb ramps, all the improvements. It sounds like you're really looking at it from a accessible issue for people to access and be able to walk and enjoy the public streets just like everyone else. So I thank you for your efforts. Indeed. Great comment, Denise. Are there any more comments from council members? Please raise your hand at this time and we will recognize you. I don't know if I need to call names. Um, Helen, do you have a comment as well? Uh, nothing, thank you. Thank you, Helen. Let me see. Sherry, do you, are there any other council members or anyone else that has anything to add? Yes, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Please continue. Go ahead. Hold on. Sherry, yes, go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. Am I unmuted? Yes, Sherry, this is Nicole speaking. Go ahead. Uh, you just muted again, Sherry, unfortunately. There you go. Sorry, guys, <laughs> having problems today. I just want to thank Christine and um, Flora and Ben from the the DPW because um, they reached out to Lighthouse and we had a preliminary meeting to discuss um, the new plans for the Better Market Street project. And um, so I had a chance to um, discuss what was gonna be happening in the neighborhood. This is my neighborhood um, between 5th and 8th, basically. Um, that's where Lighthouse is located. So um, I really needed to know what was gonna be happening, how this was gonna be affecting um, our staff, especially our students. And um, so I do wanna I say, um, I very much appreciated that. And I sent um, a heads up report to Brian Fashion and Scott Blanks, and I was able to provide them with that information. Um, and I just very much appreciated um, the contact and um, I think this is going to be, uh, it's going to work out um, nicely and looking forward to um, the outreach as the plan goes along, the in, 
in progress plans as, as they unfold. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much, council member Sherry. Um, and I wonder if we, this is a council member Orchid, um, just at offering my two cents. First, I think um, excellent job on the plan. I think this is a big project and I, there are a few things that are con I'm considering as you're um, presenting. I'm wondering if um, SF Public Works has um, set up, um, you know, we're near the library where I work here is very near the construction site. I'm wondering if there's been coordination with um, people with disabilities here. And I'm wondering about um, that this area and if that's been included in consideration of this project it might be too late at this time to do so. But um, one of the concerns I'm also thinking about is the, um, uh, the comfort um, space of the sidewalk. I think that's been an issue for pedestrians um, at this time. The sidewalks have not been as wide and I'm thinking about um, that possibility of it being included as well. The possibility of the um, sidewalk, excuse me, the bike racks rather. I noticed that there are Those electric scooters, the uh, ones that are have that extra component, there seems to be a, an issue with the parking them on the sidewalks. People leave them just kind of everywhere and they create hazards for walking and for pedestrians. For my um, comment here, I just want to um, add that that's a, that's a um, hazard and should be considered. And I'm wondering if um, after this comment, that um, there, uh, once the council member uh, portion of the comments is finished, we can turn it over to the staff. Thank you, council member Orchid. It's not too late to do outreach with people in the area. Um, we're waiting for the contractor to submit their construction schedule. And then we can start to tell people what will be happening and when it will happen. And we can provide um, detour routes um, or just information about what to expect. Um, the contractor is required to provide an accessible path of travel at all times. And we'll be looking at that and monitoring it closely throughout construction. Um, we can take a look at the bike racks, um, you know, placement of bike racks. There may be some that will need to be removed during construction anyway. Um, but in the end, we'll have, you know, new bike racks within the project area. Um, but I think your, your concern is with how people are parking the scooters. Is that correct? Yeah, those e-scooters are an issue. They're just left anywhere and they're turned anywhere. And I'm thinking, you know, people um, trip over them and you, there's no predictability about where they are. And they also take up a massive amount of space. So we really need to think about the pedestrian space and the safety of those, especially for people who have vision concerns. So, um, so much can happen. And if you're not thinking about one of those e-scooters being in the way of travel and the path of travel, it can be a big hazard. Britt, do you have, do you know anything about enforcement of the e-scooter parking? Hi, I'm Britt Tanner. I'm a senior engineer at SFMTA. 
working on Better Market Street. I am not as familiar with the scooter program as I would like, but I will pass that feedback on to the scooter program. I know that they have some sort of mechanism to um, deal with the parking and I will uh, just pass that comment on to them and make sure that they uh, look into it. Great, great, thank you so much. I know um, I think of that often at this time. There's just, um, you know, such a recklessness um, in general with the subject of scooters. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't hear people approaching behind me. And if I make a turn just across the street and someone's just, uh, you know, on a roll at a very high speed, it can be a danger. And so there's been collisions. It's an issue. I know that um, this is something I've brought up before and people are working on it, but it is something to think about um, in the project plan. So um, that comment is finished. I'll turn it over to the uh, MOD staff members at this time to make comments. Thank you, Chair Sassuni. This is Nicole Bon. Hello, Christina. I have um, I have a few clarification questions, and and maybe for Britt too, if Britt wants to pop um, pop back on. Um, so um, regarding that, one of the challenges that we we know we had, especially during the um, the Van Ness uh, project, was we had multiple multiple contractors and kind of. It was difficult to coordinate maintaining the accessible route when we had multiple projects happening at the same time. So I'm wondering if you can speak to a little bit about um, if we've thought about coordinating, training around uh, maintaining the accessible route, or and if not yet, I think that's something that we would really want to uh, talk about because I, I do think that was a, uh, a big reminder that we had during the and this improvements project, we're all happy that that project is, is complete. Uh, and, uh, but there were definitely challenges during construction, especially for wheelchair users and folks who are blind and low vision in um, noticing um, kind of areas of work because conditions change literally daily. And it can, it can be, uh, if you've got multiple contractors on site, that, that can be difficult. So uh, if you can speak a little bit more to that kind of coordination and then specifically to Butter Market Street, is it is it one contracting team or is it multiple? And then I have a few other questions, but if you wouldn't mind speaking to that first. We're going to switch interpreter's mouth just a moment. No problem. So Nicole, to answer your question. Just one second. Okay, waiting. Okay, I think we've got it. Okay, Go so ahead. to answer your question, Nicole, um, we will have one construction team. Uh, the prime contractor is Esquivel, grading and paving. They will have um, a number of subcontractors that will be doing um, specific work like electrical work or the landscaping, but they will be under the prime contractor. Um, there's a few things that make Better Market Street different from Van SBRT. One is that the construction for Van SBRT was spread throughout the corridor um, from North Point to or Lombard 
to Van Ness. And we're, um, sorry, from Lombard to Market Street or to Mission, um, we have intentionally selected a small area for our construction between 5th and 8th. So although we will have different contractors or subcontractors working at the same time, it will be within those three blocks. And we have a dedicated construction management team to keep an eye on the work. Um, we have um, two inspectors, an assistant resident, eng resident engineer, a resident engineer, construction manager, and um, we'll also have inspectors from MTA and PUC when we're doing either um, traffic signal work or um, water or sewer. So we'll be monitoring the, the work closely. Um, we'll have, we also have a dedicated outreach um, public information officer. Um, so if you, know, if you see any problems with the construction, you can always call 311 but the project signs will also have the phone numbers for the contractor and our um, public affairs officer. Um, so you can reach us. It's also nice that our offices are on Market Street and we're close by to all of the, the action. Um, your first, did I, did I get all of your questions? I I think so towards that. I, I, I feel that was um, sufficiently answered, especially since it sounds like we're really phasing this particular improvements work in a different way. Um, I think my, my other questions have to do, I had a couple clarification questions from your presentation. One, you mentioned that the, um, that the um, sidewalk level bike lanes are not included. And I just wanted to clarify for the public, did you mean not included and forever kind of deleted from the project or not included right now? Can you just clarify that? Sure. And then I have one additional question. They're not, the sidewalk level bikeway is not included in this first phase of construction. The challenge that we had with the bike lane was that it was very narrow. Um, it was typically eight feet wide but would narrow to six feet. And the, the volume of bicycles on Market Street exceed that width or would need more space to ride comfortably down Market Street. So we have uh, moved towards having bicycles or keeping bicycles in the shared curb lane for the time being. Um, we'd also like to, um, once we construct the new boarding islands, we could move all of the transit into the center lanes. And then the bicycles would be in the curb lane with delivery vehicles and taxis, um, but with a lot less friction. Um, this is our first phase of construction. It is um, our, I don't want to call it a pilot, but it is, you know, we will be um, learning a lot from this first phase in terms of construction, but also on the operation side and how it works. Um, you know, we do have high bicycle volumes and ideally we would have a bicycle lane or a bicycle, a dedicated bicycle facility extend beyond 8th Street. Right now the bike lane ends at 8th Street and there's no bike lane or no bicycle facility east of 8th. 
So that is a goal of our, I think of our um, departments. We're still trying to figure out what is the best design. Um, is, you know, are, if bicycles are in the shared curb lane, they get 13 feet of roadway space, but it's shared. So there's that trade-off. Um, so I think for now, we're looking at 5th to 8th Street. We're focused on that. There's no sidewalk level bike lane as part of this construction project. Um, to add a sidewalk level or to add a bike lane east of 8th Street, we would have to narrow the sidewalk by 10 feet. So it's not an easy decision or an easy project to construct. So everyone would know, you know, I think we would have another um, round of outreach. We'd want to get input again um, after this first phase of construction to see how it's working. How can we provide dedicated bicycle space or is the shared space working well? Um, our next highest priority are the center boarding islands so that we can you know, get all the transit into the center. Um, and that will change the look and feel of the curb lane as well. Right, so th thank you for that. My last question before we turn to, to Debbie has to do exactly with those um, boarding islands. So again, you said the, the accessible boarding islands are going to be done later. I mean, as you know, that that is one of the uh, a critical component for folks is right now you really can't access those boarding islands effectively at all. They're too, um, they're too narrow. And so can you say a little bit more about when when are those boarding islands actually going to be improved and meeting uh, appropriate accessibility standards? Yes. Uh, so our challenge for phase one was, you know, those boarding islands were part originally part of the construction project, and then they were removed. And our challenge has been um, that building those boarding islands will take a while, you know, it'll be a longer construction duration and a more intense construction. Um, we also, because these boarding islands will be two to two and a half times larger, they're wider and they're longer. We also want to do some of the utility under, sorry, underground utility um, replacement for sewer and water. So suddenly the project becomes longer and we were hit with COVID as we were, you know, finalizing design and getting ready for construction. And we were concerned about the impacts of construction, you know, how long um, construction would take and um, what the impacts would be to the public. And we would have to shut down the F line, you know, to build them, to replace the track um, and to complete all of the work. So we were looking at a long F line shutdown and a very disruptive project. Um, we don't have a timeline uh, right now for when we'll construct them. But like I said, it's a high priority for our departments. Um, we're working together on the funding plan and the schedule. Um, and I think we, we would really appreciate MDC and MOD um, participating in those conversations. Because again, it's a trade-off. We need these accessibility improvements, um, but we wanna minimize impacts to the local businesses and to the community. Um, so I think it, it's going to take um, some conversations and um, just making sure that everyone is comfortable um, with the scope of work and with the duration. Um, I, I, 
a, a big part of me wishes we had started construction during COVID because we could have taken advantage of those quiet days um, without traffic and, and movement. Um, but we are, we are where we are. Um, and we, you know, I think if we all work together, um, we can try to get them constructed in the next, you know, start construction um, in the next few years. I would just, this is the last thing I'll say, and I, I want to move to Debbie's questions, but, but uh, I just really want to encourage us to um, be as transparent as possible in our project messaging that, that is, it is intended to happen because as we know, one of the things when you start constructions like this that are meant to improve accessibility or among other things, there's an expectation that we would, um, that we would be working on things that we might not be working on in this phase. And so we need to acknowledge uh, that uh, in, from, from MOD's perspective and then be as transparent as we can about uh, when we think it will happen. Thank you very much for coming and, and presenting. I'll pass it over to uh, Debbie. Thank you. Um, so um, I have two questions and I guess I'll get them both out at the same time. Um, one is, um, have you done any research or work to look at um, the repaving of the crosswalks and what can be done to minimize the bumpiness going over the um, tracks in the middle of, of Market Street? Um, for people who use wheelchairs, it's really rough. And, um, you know, it's a common problem wherever there are tracks in the middle of crosswalks. And I have a feeling there are other jurisdictions that have also been looking at what can be done to smooth that out without taking away from the purpose of the tracks. Um, that's one question. And then the other one is, um, I mean, some of the issues that people have are behavioral and some um, are, uh, my question is whether there's a way to influence behavior through design. Um, and um, the issue that you, you, you raised when you were talking about bicycles, um, the bicycle traffic is um, already fairly thick and the bicycles can go very fast. Um, and there's, um, I think, the possibility of conflict between pedestrians crossing and bicyclists. Bicyclists don't, from my own personal observation, always um, stop at the um, traffic signs when the, when the light is red because there's no traffic on Market Street. I mean, it sort of makes sense that you might be able to ignore those. And so I'm wondering, are there any um, bicycle traffic calming designs that you've thought of or know about that would help to get bicyclists respecting the um, pedestrians who are also sharing the area with them? Debbie, thanks for your questions. We're Those ready are to great. Interpreters. Jenny, are you ready? All right, Christine, thank you. 
No problem. Um, so to address your first question about the crosswalks, we have two problems with the crosswalks on Market Street. When they were built in the 1970s, they were built as decorative crosswalks made of granite pieces, granite stones. And over the years, the granite has um, broken, it has sank, it's difficult to travel across those crosswalks. And then we have the tracks that cross the crosswalks as well. Um, so two problems that we're trying to address. For the granite pieces, we'll be removing the decorative crosswalks and putting in new asphalt that's smooth and easier to cross. For the tracks, I know we've talked about those um, for years. I used to work at the SFMTA as well. Um, and we have that concern wherever we have tracks. Um, I know there, there was research into what other um, things we could do to help minimize the um, space between the tracks and the roadway or the concrete. Um, and to see if there were ways to cover it up or, you know, fill in the gap. Um, but it's difficult with the streetcars. Um, Britt, I don't know if you have any more information. I know the trackway is envisioned to be concrete. So when we replace the tracks, the it will no longer be decorative crosswalks and asphalt. We'll have concrete. But I don't know if that, you know, addresses all of the concerns. Uh, yeah, I can add some um, information to that. When uh, they repave the trackway with concrete, it will be less likely to have as much of the issues with um, changes in elevation of the pavement that they're currently experiencing on Market Street. Um, in the longer term, when we do a full replacement of the rails, which is not included in this construction contract, we will be switching to a different type of rail fixation system that will make the um, surface much less likely to get torn up over time. And that will be a significant improvement. Uh, however, I think you might be asking for something like a flange filler which I'm sure you did not know the word of, but you can imagine what it is. Yeah, um, sounds good. Yes, flange fillers are typically used for an application like this. However, we have just found that they're not feasible for us to use on Market Street. Uh, they're very high maintenance and um, won't won't really address the concerns in a in a reliable way. So, unfortunately. In the nearer term, you'll see improvements by, by switching to concrete, longer term by changing the fixation system to make it less likely to get um, broken up over time. But uh, the more ideal systems like flangers aren't possible. And then I also wanted to respond to your question about bicycle traffic calming. Uh, in the longer term, when we are able to 
uh, replace the boarding islands and do some other changes to the roadway that allow us to remove buses from the curb lane and have um, the curb lane be reserved for people biking, uh, commercial vehicles, paratransit, and taxis, at least between 5th and 8th Street, where we have developed and approved this design. We will also be adding things like speed tables in the curb lane that will um, calm all traffic, including people biking, um, by making them be more cognizant of uh, or just travel slower. That's that's what speed tables do. Um, we also need to work on bicycle education and uh, you know making sure that the people are obeying the traffic signals, in particular the traffic signal at UN Plaza, right by MOD. I know is a location where. Some people may not feel that they need to stop at the red light if they're biking through. Um, with the longer term plan to install boarding islands at that location, I think it will be more obvious that there's a reason to stop at the traffic light and that will improve compliance. Thank you. This is Orchid. Thank you so much, Britt and Christina. I'm wondering if there are any more comments from MOD staff. You can go ahead, Orchid. Thank you very much. Um, can I, I more comments? Then I will. Um... Sorry, can I jump in? I was able to get an answer about scooter enforcement. So, uh, if you see illegally parked scooters, um, you can call into three one one or send an email to scootershare at sfmta.com and they will be able to enforce it. Um, they need a, a good amount of information. So if you have a picture that you can attach, that's great. Either, otherwise include the brand that, of the violation or the company, the time and date and the location and if possible, if, if there's an ID number on the scooter, um, they can track down the user and they'll educate the user on their, uh, how their behavior could be improved. And if there are repeat offenders, uh, there are incentives such as um, suspending membership for those users that will improve their, their behavior. So again, either send it to 311 or email scooter share at sfmta.com. So that is the problem with those e-scooters. Um, e Some of them are private, privately owned, so you can't bust the person who's violating it. It kind of just goes against their whole e-scooter culture, so. Yes, I can't help with that, sorry. Comment noted. Yeah, okay. Well, great. Um, I'm looking at the time and it looks like it's 2.10. So I think we'll go ahead and take a 15 minute break at this time. Let's come back around. Let's see. 
is it 15 minutes we're going to be taking? So I think we'll be coming around um, 2.25. We'll resume at 2.25 or 2.30 thereabouts. And our next agenda item will be the report on the listening session. City and Council of San Francisco Disability Access Priorities for 2022 and 2023. So we'll see you shortly. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. on to the next item on the list, which is item number seven on the agenda. It's a discussion and report about the uh, mayor's disability access priorities. And this is for the year 2022-2023. Now, I am in quotes. This next month, August, the MDC or the Mayor's Disability Council public meetings will be suspended. MDC members will be reviewing a list of accomplishments for the year 21-22. So you'll be hearing about what we've accomplished for this past year and then we'll be determining the priorities for the upcoming year. In item number seven, we do invite public input about what these priorities should be. 
So we would like you to think about priorities that you would like to tell us about. And we will invite discussion on this topic uh, for this time in the agenda. But first of all, we will have a presentation from the Mayor's Office of Disability, MOD. So there's a difference between the MDC, which is the Mayor's Council on Disabilities and the MOD. And we're gonna be talking about the citywide disability access work and accomplishments. They will list those out as well as ongoing concerns that continue to elevate to the MOD members from members of the public. Once we are done with that, public comment is welcome regarding anything that you would like to see the Mayor's, the Mayor's Disability Council consider as part of the public meeting schedule for the year 2022-23, this upcoming year. MDC will also welcome written comments and you can send in your written comments um, following this agenda. So you go to mdc at sfgov.org. So any emails that you would like to send us, you can send them attention to MDC the Mayor's Disability Council. Okay, so I'm going to let Nicole go ahead and start, Nicole Bond. Great. Thank you, Orchid, for that was a very thorough introduction. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you in advance to, um, for Debbie, to Debbie for helping to um, advance the slides and I am going to um, adjust my own view for one second. Um, there we go. Okay, so uh, thank you everyone. So I'm Nicole Bond, I'm the director of the Mayor's Office on Disability. And what I wanted to do for about 15 minutes is for you, for the Mayor's Disability Council and members of the public to hear some of the things that uh, the Mayor's Office on Disability has been involved in and some of the uh, citywide collaborative accessibility initiatives that we've uh, been a part of over this last uh, year. As you, uh, as Orchid uh, referenced, our years don't go by calendar years, they go by uh, fiscal years and legislative years. So we're going to be going uh, through 2021 and 2022. And then I've put together some considerations for this council to think about um, for 2022, 2023. Uh, but that is just intended as a jumping off point. What we really want to hear is from uh, members of the public as ORCID uh, referenced. And so this is really an opportunity for that. I'll also be going through this content. Um, I'll be going through it thoroughly, but there are details on some of the uh, graphs and other little pieces of information that I might not be able to cover. And so just for the public's awareness and for your awareness, this will be posted if it's not already on the uh, Mayor's Office on Disability website and also with the materials uh, for today's public meeting. And with that introduction, if we could go to the first slide. 
Thank you. Okay, so this is just a reminder of what MOD is. So the Mayor's Office on Disability is the city's overall ADA coordinator, and we're responsible for overseeing the implementation and adherence to Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is state and local governments, as well as other federal, state, and local access codes and disability rights laws and accessibility obligations, including our citywide grievance procedure. One of the other things that MOD does is serves as a liaison between the city and deaf and disabled San Franciscans, in especially in collecting public feedback around concerns. And then MOD serves as a resource and technical advisor to city departments and the board of supervisors and the mayors of the entire city portfolio regarding architectural and programmatic access emergency planning and legislative impacts on the disability community. Next slide, please. To give you an idea who are serving the disability community in San Francisco, we know that one in 10 San Franciscans reports a disability per the American Community Survey. And we have an estimated between 88,000 and 94,000 residents. Almost half of people with disabilities are under the age of 65, and poverty is very prevalent in the disability community. One in four people with disabilities live in poverty, and even adults with disabilities who are employed are more than twice as likely to experience poverty. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about how you want to prioritize your initiatives. Also, we know in terms of disability type, the majority of folks uh, fall into three categories, that being mobility disabilities, cognitive disabilities, and sensory disabilities, meaning deaf or hard of hearing or blind or low vision. The American Community Survey data, unfortunately, does not currently collect information specifically about psychiatric disabilities. So we do think those numbers are a little higher than, uh, than are reported through the survey. Next slide, please. We also know that 64% of people with disabilities in San Francisco are people with, of color. So that is another very important uh, overlay to remember uh, as we're uh, thinking about priorities. Next slide, please. So this is a little bit about what MOD currently looks like and how the Mayor's Office on Disability uh, reports it pulled this information together specifically for a civil grand jury presentation, which I'll talk about in a little bit later. But as a reminder, the Mayor's Office on Disability is, is situated within the City Administrator's Office. And then we report indirectly also to the Mayor's Office. We have an operating budget of just under $2 million um, and a capital budget of about $2.5 million keeping in mind that the capital budget funding is typically for architectural barrier removal, and it's only uh, encompasses those projects that come directly to MOD for support. There's much more capital funding and barrier removal related to disability access that happens outside of this budget scope. So in just as a context, this, so this, we have a pretty tiny budget, all things considered, compared to many other uh, city departments. Our current staffing is eight full-time folks and one part-time person. That includes myself, the two deputy directors, 
our grievance and training coordinator. And we have three senior building inspectors and an office manager and a program aide who works just three hours a week on some administrative tasks. And then currently we've got some vacancies. Um, so the, the, our current staffing is all funded and budgeted for. We have additional vacant positions in our portfolio that are not currently funded in our budget. So we're not able to fill them. That's two architectural positions and one uh, programmatic position. Next slide, please. And then this slide is a little bit about you and the work that uh, you have all done, which uh, this has been presented also to the civil grand jury. Um, so as you know, you advise as the mayor's disability council, uh, the mayor on disability issues, help to help ensure uh, accessibility compliance, and most importantly, providing a forum for disability community feedback. So we have seven seats filled and currently four vacant. If there are members of the public who are interested in uh, being considered for the Mayor's Disability Council, please do let the Mayor's Disability Council or the Mayor's Office on Disability know. Fingers uh, crossed that, they, that somebody does. I hope so. I really, we really, this has been a very active group and we really want and, and appreciate engaged members of the disability community. Uh, and then just as a reminder to the public, MOD provides uh, staff support to the Mayor's Disability Council, but is not part of the Mayor's Disability Council. And then just as a reminder, primarily for the public, some of the things that um, this council advanced this year were the resolution on the accessibility of Golden Gate Park and the closure of JFK Drive, the resolution in progress uh, regarding the reinstatement of mask requirements on Muni. And then this council has also done some work on Supervisor Peskin's e-scooter safety resolution that was, uh, that moved forward in uh, January, I believe. And as you know, you've provided letters of accessibility advice to multiple city departments following presentations and also um, to the California Public Utilities Commission regarding TNC, which that's Uber and Lyft as a reminder, uh, specifically around wheelchair access advocacy. And that advocacy has been uh, used uh, by the city. Next uh, slide, please. Okay, and so then some of our other selected successes, this isn't nearly everything, but um, in our architectural accessibility um, a, a portfolio, we've done a review of accessible affordable housing, city projects that are not um, funded through a Department of Public Works contract, an architectural barrier uh, complaints investigation, so in, just as an example, in calendar year 2021, we received 23 new uh, non-housing city funding projects and 25 housing projects. Housing projects are very large. And so 25 housing projects for accessibility review, that's a lot of projects. And we're very proud of the work we're able to do on those as well as the non-housing projects that we've reviewed. Some of, uh, and then this year to date, we've received 23 total projects in both categories, 
So we're, we're just on track because we're halfway through the year. It looks like it might be about the same as, as last year. Um, some examples of non-housing projects include reviews on behalf of other departments or city-funded entities like recreation and parks, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. And this photo on the right is a, a snapshot of the accessible uh, Golden Gate Park uh, Bay and Shell lot. Most of architectural barrier removal technical assistance over the last year has involved our park system and I'll speak a little bit more to that in a minute. Next slide, please. Programmatically, we've also been able to accomplish quite a bit uh, over the last year, which I'm very happy about. We continued work with vaccine equity prioritization, although a lot of it happened in the um, uh, early phases of 2021. Vaccine uh, equity prioritization and the vaccine call center were directly because uh, happening because of MOD's advocacy. We also helped to establish the home vaccination program with our colleagues in public health and disability community specific vaccination clinics. Most recently were held once again at the lighthouse uh, for the blind who were again successful. Uh, this year we also helped to advance the citywide digital accessibility and inclusion standard and ad adopted, I mean. Um, we worked with uh, the Youth and Disabilities Interagency Collaborative to improve summer programming and provider training for those folks, especially working through Summer Together program and other summer programming for kids. Um, so we were able to uh, do some work on that based on uh, feedback that that needed to improve. And just as a point of clarification too, uh, many of what we, most of what we've chosen to do and focus on has been based on specific concerns we've received from the public. If you're wondering how we determine to focus on these things, and I'll get a little bit more into the concerns in a minute. We also in June uh, presented enacting anti-ableist strategies to the, all of the managers in uh, recreation and parks, which was very uh, well attended and very engaged. And then we've had a, in, extensive involvement with legislation uh, impacting folks with disabilities, which I'll get to on the next slide. Next slide. So, I. I will, I'm just going to very briefly mention these because I believe all of these um, topics have been the subject of past um, Mayor's Disability Council meetings. So I'll just highlight um, the legislation that we've been involved uh, with in helping to um, advise and improve and in some cases advance with your help as the Mayor's Disability Council the Accessible Business Entrance Ordinance, mayoral housing directives, as I mentioned, our architectural access team does a lot of work with accessible affordable housing. You very well know that the JFK and Golden Gate Park Access and Safety Program has multiple legislative items that are uh, ongoing. 
you've heard about the shared spaces legislative program and the affordable housing needs assessment which we're, we're gathering community feedback right now. Next slide. And then- Sorry, Nicole, just a moment. This is the interpreter speaking. Can we switch the interpreter spotlight? Of course. Thank you. Still waiting for the interpreter to be pinned. Thank you so much. Okay. Great. Okay, so that was the local legislation. And then the federal legislation that I've mentioned in my reports that we're still tracking is accessible a vote by mail. One thing I did wanna mention is that I mentioned uh, Senate Bill 1480 uh, last month, which is remote accessible ballot submission. I referenced uh, my report where we talked about this and it, it did not pass. And so uh, there's more work to be done with accessible vote by mail. Um, Senate Bill 1376 is the Transportation Network Companies Accessibility for All Act. Um, that's the wheelchair accessible vehicle and other accessibility improvements legislation about Uber and Lyft. Virtual uh, open meetings is uh, Assembly Bill 361. As you know, the continuation of virtual meetings is highly desired by San Francisco disability community and it has proven to be a powerful advocacy tool. And then, as I mentioned last month, we're monitoring autonomous vehicles and accessibility. Um, it, uh, those vehicles are not regulated by the city and county of San Francisco. Um, they are permitted through the CPUC and the Department of Motor Vehicles, but we still uh, want to make sure um, they're accessible as possible for everyone. Next slide, please. So when I presented to the civil grand jury, they wanted to know some areas where San Francisco goes above and beyond the minimum federal requirements. And so this slide is intended to help you understand that. And for you and for members of the public, every single one of these programs is, um, is hyperlinked and you can delve into each individual uh, reference. If you have any difficulty accessing any of this, we're happy to get the individual content to you. But I will just highlight that some of the things that we do in San Francisco that exceed federal requirements are our curb ramp program standards, the way that we do architectural access affordable housing review. This year, we created standards for accessible passenger loading zones uh, with our colleagues in public works engineering. Uh, the accessible business entrance ordinance that I mentioned earlier is, uh, is a San Francisco ordinance, not a federal requirement. Our shared spaces design manual has many details that many similar outdoor dining um, guide, uh, guidebooks do not have. Age and disability friendly San Francisco is the effort, uh, the cross collaborative effort between community-based organizations and Department of Disability and Aging Services, uh, Mayor's, Disability, uh, Mayor's Office on Disability and others around specific age and disability friendly initiatives. This council probably hasn't heard about that in a while. You may want to agendize uh, that as we have a new plan uh, being developed now. And then the Empowered San Francisco Technology Needs Assessment 
uh, you heard about in a previous meeting. The image on the right is a, a accessible design guideline from the shared spaces manual. Next slide, please. So for the rest of this, so that's all the great stuff and it's a lot, but the civil grand jury and I want the public to know that we, we really have still a lot of um, MOD and citywide accessibility challenges, many pertaining to our capacity, to be, our capacity to do everything that we want to do. And so the second half of this presentation is really about areas where we need to continue focusing and having and improving based on feedback that we've received from the public. So one of the things that we really want is uh, more of an adoption of disability access as an anti-ableist and equity strategy. So this goes above and beyond just thinking about disability access as a compliance mechanism. We really want people to start and adopting and understanding that disability access for the disability community is a matter of equity and accessibility compliance is just one anti-ableist strategy. We would really love to be able to teach more about that. We have capacity, we struggle with capacity for systemic architectural barrier removal and identification through uh, capital planning. We really want to focus on building ADA coordinator in the, at the department level and also contractor service knowledge obligations. What I mean by that is we've got operators, for instance, in our, um, in our affordable housing facilities who really would benefit, we think, from more education on their basic obligations uh, under the Americans with Disabilities Act and other laws. We really want to be able to capture the emerging issues, especially pertaining to those who are unhoused. We're starting to do some work on safe passage, but there's much more to be done there. We want to be able to do cross-departmental incorporation of accessibility initiatives. We've done better this year regarding having uh, an eye to what's happening locally, legislatively, than any other year that I've been part of the city. But that in part is because there have been, there have been so much legislation out of COVID specifically that really directly impacts people with disabilities. So there's been just a lot to do and we just wanna stay ahead of um, our, our local legislation and help our board of supervisors understand disability access a little bit better. We have had capacity issues for the enforcement of disability access within the public right-of-way, which is a DPW um, concern. And Orchid mentioned in her report earlier today that that is something that you, during the budget hearings, uh, brought forward as part of your public comment from the council. So thank you very much for doing that. And then we want to involve people with disabilities early in design planning and really do better at effective and timely outreach to the disability community. This example on the right of the getting to the curb document is one place where we did have some effective collaboration and SFMTA is using these standards uh, when we're creating accessible um, protected bike lanes. Next slide, please. 
Okay, so this next slide has to do with uh, complaints and concerns that have come to MOD. This first slide is just a breakdown of, of what comes to us, 28% complaints, 35% referrals to other departments. Um, and then we have a curb ramp requests that sometimes come to us, requests for reasonable accommodation, general questions and other service requests. Well, I'll talk a little bit more specifically about that in the next slide. Go ahead, Debbie, thank you. So here's some of the primary complaints areas. So in architectural access, the complaints that we receive primarily pertain to access with parklets and outdoor accessible seating and architectural barrier removal. Regarding the public right of way, obstructions such as barriers, inaccessible pathways around construction and encampments blocking the sidewalk. Those were our biggest ones. And then housing examples, concerns with elevators out of service in city housing. We, uh, MOD just dealt with a, a urgent issue related to that this week to a successful result. Uh, we have delays in responses to reasonable accommodation requests lack of knowledge by operators on how to provide uh, accommodations or services. We wanna work on these things and make that better. And then other examples where we'll get complaints have to do with a, a appropriate digital access, especially for folks who are blind or low vision, recreation, uh, transportation, and better communication access for folks who are deaf or hard of hearing. Next slide, please. So this slide is a chart that shows last year. So this is as of, um, this is comparative chart from fiscal year 1920 through fiscal, the, through March of fiscal, uh, fiscal year 21, 22. So just uh, four months ago is this current as this is, but it shows that disability access complaints have increased, especially um, since COVID over the last three years. And the top three categories of complaint, 81% um, of all of the complaints that we've received, 47% um, are public right-of-way. So that's the sidewalks. Architectural access barrier removal is 21%. And then housing complaints are 14%, about 81%. So those are the top three uh, concerns that we really want to be making more progress on. Next slide, please. What we did in January of 2021, we really wanted to get an understanding in the Mayor's Office on Disability of how our disability access coordinators were doing and where they needed support. So we had, uh, thanks to EMAN, a successful survey of our departmental disability access coordinators. We had a huge yield, um, 58 respondents from 49 different departments. Uh, the slide asks, uh, the graph on the right shows where folks wanted training. And so um, nearly all respondents, 97%, requested training on the topics that are on the right side of the screen, uh, which are communication access, digital accessibility, disability etiquette, reasonable modifications, and general ADA coordinator responsibilities. Another interesting thing that we found out is that 
most of the respondents indicated that less that less than 10% of their overall duties actually focused on ADA coordinator responsibilities. So that what that means is that we have ADA coordinators in our city departments who have ADA coordination as a small fraction of their other job. We have very few who have dedicated 100% uh, of their duties as ADA coordinators. The only departments that have that right now are the Department of Public Works, which has a full accessibility team for the public right of way and for buildings. Um, the SFMTA has a full accessibility team and the Department of Elections has a full time ADA coordinator. That's it, everybody else is uh, part time or less. Next slide, please. Okay, so I'm getting to the end and that's good because my voice, I'm losing my voice. So you're almost done listening to me for a little bit. Um, okay, so as you think about what you would like to consider for the 2022-23 agenda as the Mayor's Disability Council, I would recommend any concern or challenge that I discussed or in any past director's report to the MDC, which I linked to the most recent one. Another thing that you might wanna think about is how can you continue to do budget and other advocacy with the Board of Supervisors and city departments on barrier removal for ongoing or new accessibility initiatives, coordination, training initiatives and the like and the staffing capacity to support them. There's a lot of stuff that we want to do in Mayor's Office on Disability, in Department of Public Works, in uh, Recreation and Parks Department, in Homelessness and Supportive Housing, in Emergency Management, in the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development and others, um, we, did, we, we uh, struggle with finding the staffing capacity um, so we need continued advocacy for support. In addition to that, some of the time sensitive matters um, that are gonna be coming forward in the next few months is one, we anticipate the civil grand jury will report to the Board of Supervisors on their report called Safe and Accessible Parks for All, which was just released in June and so I mentioned at the beginning of this presentation that I presented to the civil grand jury on the mayor's office on disability. Most of the questions that the civil grand jury had for me had to do with the way that we are approaching accessibility in our park system. And so um, their report, which you can reference online at safe and accessible parks for all, um, details all of this. It's a pretty comprehensive report. Also, um, the continuation of local hybrid meetings is going to be something that we really do need to understand what will be happening in the coming months. And then thirdly, I mentioned the ongoing implementation of the California Attorney General's accessibility guidance. They, the uh, a California Attorney General uh, came out with public guidance for jurisdictions and four advice letters on how to um, maintain accessibility. And in looking through um, the guidance, uh, we're in pretty good shape, I think, 
as the city and county of San Francisco, uh, we do need to continue how we're providing reasonable accommodation in public meetings and read a reasonable modification to improve that, especially per the guidance. And I really would love to redistribute the attorney general guidance as a refresher for many of our uh, city colleagues and the board of supervisors. And finally, uh, ongoing implementation of the, S the San Francisco Digital Accessibility and Inclusion Standard. And that is kind of just a starting point um, to spur your thinking and um, go to the next slide. Debbie, I think that was all I had. So, and this is our contact information. Again, you can contact us. Our website for the public is sf.gov, sfgov.org backslash MOD. I need to fix that, that's a typo. We are happily going to be converted to a better website by the fall. I am so excited because our current one needs significant help as I'm sure you know. The uh, MOD email is mod at sfgov.org and our main phone uh, is 415-554-6789. And uh, that's where I will stop. And then we can move to um, public comment and hearing from the public, uh, Orchid or Alex, and, uh, um, and then we'll move to uh, council questions. Thank you. Okay, we're switching interpreters. Okay. Okay, let's go ahead. Are there any public comments from any of you out there? If you do, please raise your hand. We're gonna hold public comments first. And then the board members will be presenting later for making their comments. So public comments first. As a reminder to the public, you can indicate that you wanna make public comment by uh, on the Zoom in the Zoom platform by clicking on the raise hand icon. If you're dialing in by phone, you can dial star nine um, to indicate that you wanna make public comment and you'll be prompted when it's your turn. You could also type your comment into the chat box um, to be read by the clerk or uh, indicate that you would like to make public comment and then you will be prompted when it's your turn. I do see at least one person interested in making public comment. William, you've been permitted to unmute. Hi, Will Railing again for Accessible San Francisco, an, un an unincorporated nonprofit association. Wow, what a great presentation. Thank you. Uh, and uh, covering uh, so much ground as, the, as the, the office covers so much ground and this commission covers so much ground. And uh, as you move forward in this process of prioritizing, uh, I, I hope and assume that you're each mindful of the great diversity of disabilities. Um, and I think it's always a challenge to, uh, to remain mindful of the different needs of uh, different types of people. You know, I mean, I, we often talk about, you know, uh, mobility issues, but uh, there are, you know, unique challenges for people who are blind or low vision, uh, you know, for the deaf community, uh, for people with de developmental disabilities. 
Um, and um, so just uh, the presentation talked about the um, ongoing process of implementing some of the legislation. Um, and uh, I, I've noticed there seems to be uh, uh, no, a, a, a common uh, process of uh, coming to the committee when some change is contemplated in legislation. Uh, for example, in uh, the accessible business entrance program and shared spaces. Um, and I hope that beyond that, there could be an ongoing process of reporting uh, to the commission uh, as representing, you know, the end users who benefit from these programs. Um, so um, I uh, was intrigued by the reference in the report to uh, accessible parking loading zones that uh, we have a small membership uh, uh, of Accessible San Francisco, and it's uh, it's surprising how often we get comments and complaints about that. Uh, there are loading zones, and uh, especially when it relates to valet parking, you know, all over the city that is uh, not accessible, uh, that constitutes barriers. Um, and just a, a quick list of a few other prod, uh, areas um, that... Uh, EV charging stations are, you know, being uh, expanded throughout the city uh, and uh, service animal issues. Um, the role of uh, Department of Building Inspection in improving and, um, and enforcing accessibility in the city. And finally, um, uh, something that was often discussed in the past, but I haven't heard much lately, and that is the city's ADA transition plan, uh, hopefully at some point. That will be revisited and um, updated, revised on the status and uh, and uh, the idea of moving forward to complete all outs uh, removal of all outstanding barriers in the city. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Are there any other public comments? Yes. Jessica, you've been permitted to unmute. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Jessica Lehman with Senior and Disability Action. Thank you for this excellent report on all the work that's been done. And thank you to MOD and the Mayor's Disability Council for all that you've been doing, um, particularly your recent resolution about reinstating masking on transit. It's really important for that to come from this council. Um, a few of the issues that, that I want to mention um, to urge you to work on or continue working on, we still see housing as probably the most pressing issue among people with all different kinds of disabilities in San Francisco. Um, we would love to um, have your partnership and leadership on creating disability operating subsidies, a kind of a counterpart to senior operating subsidies, and to work with Supervisor Gordon Marr on the master plan for housing for seniors and people with disabilities. Um, home care is another ongoing issue that we know we need more city funding for a lot of programs that allow people to stay in their own homes. And I think recently with the crisis at Laguna Honda, we're seeing the importance of talking about deinstitutionalization, a, a long-time issue in the disability community and one that, that still faces us here in San Francisco, that we need to have more alternatives to skilled nursing facilities. Um, we need to make sure families know about them and get the support they need. We need more alternatives to conservatorship. Um, so that we kind of address the paternalism that I think we often see in San Francisco and, and really think outside the box about what can allow people to be in community. 
Um, we are looking forward to your continued work on transit and to working together to continue hybrid meetings throughout San Francisco government. And then um, we are also looking forward to working together on an end ableism campaign um, that I think has been talked about for a while since the Department of Disability and Aging Services led their um, campaign to reframe aging um, and something about ableism, a term that most people still don't know has such potential. Um, lastly, I just wanna urge continued collaboration with the community and to really think about how the Mayor's Office on Disability and the Mayor's Disability Council um, is not just reporting to the community or listening to community, but having real dialogue back and forth um, and sharing strategy so that we can be as effective as possible in bringing together people with disabilities, community groups, government agencies to make the kind of change we need in San Francisco. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Jessica. Wow. Um, Very good points. One more a couple com of comments. Yeah, this is Debbie Kaplan. There is a comment in the Q&A um, area from Jennifer Walsh. And, and this There's, is, would you want to have it read or? Are you, I'll, I'll go ahead and read that if that's okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, the sidewalk search party, a campaign of the community living campaign would like MOD and MDC to continue to work with 311 to be more transparent when the public files a 311 report about damaged sidewalks. There is no reliable way for the public to get a status update on when the sidewalk will be inspected and repaired. 311 will only state if the case is open or closed. Having the inspectors block off the sidewalks dangerous areas and preventing severe injuries would be a good start. The 311 is a picture and location-based system, making it difficult to report for people with mobility or low vision issues and those who don't use smartphones. And that's the end of that comment. Great, thank you. Are there any other public comments? Please raise your hands. <clears throat> Anything more? Email or there. Remember is. again, Hi. you can always always email us at MDC or MOD with any issues regarding accessibility, any public comments. Please don't be afraid. Go ahead and send your emails to us. We'll be happy to listen and think about it and figure out what we can do in the future in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. So at this, have anything more? At this time, there's no other members of the public indicating they want to make public comment. Okay, great. All right, so public comment is over and now we are moving on to comments from the council members. And it seems that Alex Madrid, our council member is here. So please, if you'd like to go ahead and start. Henry Gold, thank you for your report. It's amazing just to know and just see an update what the 
your department is doing and thank you. Couple of questions and comments came to mind. One is that with increasing of potential increase of monkeypox to to the public and possibly people with disabilities, are there any discussion or thoughts on having a, a phone number like what we what you guys do with COVID nineteen line? I think it would be good for people with disability to have that resource to to see when and where they can access those resources. Um, second question is that with um, um, fun and chance accessibility, do, do you know if we have any updates regarding that? Thank you. You muted, Nicole. Thank you. You're right. <laughs> I am. I hopefully you can hear me now. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for those questions. So, just for your first question, I, I believe you're asking, have we collaborated with Department of Public Health regarding any information specific to monkeypox or any other health uh, concerns? That's your first question, correct? Yes, and possibly having a phone line, a phone like, line. like what uh, what you guys did on COVID nineteen right. vaccination. Right. So I haven't specifically talked with um, the Department of Public Health about this, but I did recently speak with our health officer, Dr. Susan about ways that we can uh, remember the disability community in the guidance that we're putting out. So I will bring that uh, back to the public health team. And then uh, regarding your question about uh, the accessible business entrance ordinance, correct? Yes. So unfortunately, I don't have new, new information off the top of my head, except to say uh, a couple, uh, I guess there are a couple of uh, new pieces since the Office of Small Business presented to the council. Uh, one is there have been uh, additional accessibility improvements grants announced um, that uh, small business owners can uh, take advantage of. And the Office of Small Business is working on promoting that now, but if this is an issue, and I do encourage the council to stay on top of this, if this is an issue um, that you would like uh, information on, uh, please uh, agendize it for your coming year. Um, the, uh, we're just coming into the compliance deadlines for turning in your accessibility checklists now. So it'll be, it would be good to have an update on that. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.
Wright. Great point, Council Member Madrid and also Council Member Helen Smolinski. I see that you have, are ready to make a comment. Yes, thank you, uh, Orchid and everyone else. Nicole, thank you so much, as always, for your leadership, for a terrific presentation. I'm a firm, firm believer, as many of us are, in uh, evaluation and kind of analyzing how we're doing um, so we can better gauge our effectiveness, right? As an organization, as an agency, um, all the work we're doing. So this, your presentation was really, really helpful. I appreciate all the work put into it. I think it's given us tremendous guidance on, on how we move forward. I also wanna say, I appreciate the public comments um, on this issue. And um, to reiterate that the Mayor's Disability Council really welcomes feedback from the public on what you'd like us to focus our efforts on. Um, um, we're here for you and uh, we're, we're, we're happy to work together and to collaborate. Um, uh, so again, uh, thank you, Nicole. Thank you, thank you, Helen. Great, great. Thank you, Council Member Helen Smolinski. Are there other council members who would like to speak at this time? Anyone else that has not been called on? Any comments? Feel free to raise your hand. Okay. Seeing no one coming forward, uh, this is council member Orchid Sasuni, and I would like to just um, agree with uh, other things that have been stated by my fellow council members. This has been quite a year, COVID-19 obviously still impacting us, shelter in place the last couple of years. You know, it's been interesting conducting things on Zoom and we've made it through this far, you know, and we've, we've kept providing service and hosting meetings. And, you know, it's been quite a feat. We didn't give up in the face of this pandemic. And so we've been continuing to support access and equality, which is very important in this time and to keep the city running with an attention, a friendly attention to accessibility and supporting all people in different walks of life. And of course, there are always things that are bound to, um, you know, drop uh, as we're trying to carry on forward. And we've managed to do so um, with grace. So we've uh, in fact changed for the better and improved a few things. So that's commendable and, it's been done with our excellent attitude and our focus on key issues and our advocacy in the community, our community partnerships, the support we've given and have provided, uh, uh, and then also the collaborative process. Um, without that community involvement, it would be impossible to carry on as we have. So it's very important that we continue to partner with the various agencies and work on coming together and finding compromises using feedback given to us that are um, that's important to our process. So um, yes, we have uh, quite a bit of goals and an, a never ending checklist. And the goal is always to improve services and break down barriers, which can be quite a process, especially, you know, when we hit those places where systemic barriers really prevent us from moving forward. And we just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until it gives. And that can be quite an arduous process at times. So 
very slow going at times. So I know that we've, um, that's been part of our strengths is that we have that tenacity to continue on. And when we finally reach a point of breakthrough, it's given that careful consideration and thoughtfulness that is that directly contributes to our success and our ability to be self-reflective. All of that's very key. And that's how we make things happen. So hopefully that will continue on to 22, 23 and um, just continue on to improve our, our city and county as we can. Um, we definitely would love to see some more council members join our team. Maybe parents with uh, children with disabilities are also welcome, not necessarily people who are direct members of the disability community because parents awful, also offer an, a rich experience. And um, if there are members of the public who are willing to come forward, anyone who can, please do consider joining our team. We'd be happy to have you. Um, and you know, if we've made it through this point, this, this tough uh, period, then uh, we can certainly continue on, so. Okay, with that, um, I'm going to ask one last time if there are any other council members that would like to make a comment. May I just respond to what you said, Orchid? Because I would like to, if that's all right with you. Sure. I would just, I would just like to say thank you for your enthusiasm and particularly to you and to Alex for your leadership this year. As you noted, when we looked at the Mayor's Disability Council slide, uh, when I looked back at the past resolutions and the other Mayor's Disability Council work, uh, this configuration, this group this year has done more this year than in the past five years put together to really advance disability issues. And so I just wanna say thank you to you and to Alex and to all of you as council members. And uh, we just really, we couldn't accomplish this work um, with, without you and disability has been more visible. And so I, I also want to echo some of the public comments that we heard around opportunities that we have to work in collaboration with some of our disability advocacy organizations on some of the initiatives that were mentioned in public comment because we have a lot in common and we can do more together than apart. And so I just wanna say thank you and looking forward to planning and, uh, and, and let's, keep, let's keep going. And really, I also finally would like to encourage council members if particular items really resonated with you as things that you wanna work on, or even if there are things that were not mentioned directly, we have the most success when we have individual engagements around your passions. And I know this group is very passionate. And so let's keep using that to our advantage. Uh, that is all. Thank you very much for your comments, everyone. Great, yay all around. Thank you again, Nicole, for all of your work. And I know that you've done quite a bit to advance us forward and thank you for all of your listening and you know, disagreements or, or, or you know, uh, disparities aside, I think that we've, this has been such a rich experience. Um, and you know, from myself personally, looking from the outside and then working within, you know, this city is not like others, you know, and it can only do what it has um, attention put to. And so sometimes that, you know, um, 
some of the old laws or uh, practices in place just don't make sense. And we need to help things move forward. And and that is a continued process uh, to keep that that going. And so it only happens when we work together. So thank you so much for all of your work. We wouldn't be here without you. And you know, it's really a collaborative process that we do together. Myself and the MOD team, we are very small, but very mighty. All, all of all, uh, all yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. so happy that we've all been able to work together. So yes, yeah, great. <laughs> Okay, so wonderful. Cheers all around. So now I want to um, give the opportunity, uh, council members, comments, uh, any last, uh, sorry, any comments from the MOD staff? We've given the opportunity for council members. So any comments for MOD staff that I've not spoken yet? Debbie, I'm thinking of you. Well, just, um, I think it's really valuable to take stock at least once a year and look at all that we've done together and um, and uh, not get too self-congratulatory. There's always lots more to do, but um, it's just really a pleasure to work with this council and to work, as, as people have said, in the city of San Francisco, um, because I think a lot is possible. That's true. Absolutely agree. And yes, there is much more work to do. And I think that, you know, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, and if anyone else has future feedback, please uh, send it to us via email and we'll review it. So any more council member comments or no staff member comments, we'll move on to the last agenda item, um, which would be correspondence, correspondence. Excuse me, rather number eight. Yes, correspondence, correspondence. Has there been any correspondence since the last meeting, Debbie? There has been one letter, which I think the council members have seen, but I'll go ahead and read it. This is from um, Jeffrey Tomlin, director of the MTA, in response to the resolution that the MDC um, uh, passed on um, to him. Uh, dear members of the Mayor's Disability Council, I'm writing in response to your resolution supporting the reinstatement of the mask mandate on Muni and SFMTA paratransit vehicles. The SFMTA is committed to making all our vehicles safe for our passengers and staff. And we very much appreciate your focus on keeping the most vulnerable people in our community safe and healthy. We want the public to understand that their actions, mask wearing for instance, not only help to protect themselves, but also improve safety for all those riding muni, paratransit, and taxi. Throughout the pandemic, the SFMTA has always followed the guidance of public health experts, in particular, the San Francisco Department of Public Health, in developing and modifying our policies and practices. We have made numerous changes to our vehicles and to our agency's practices to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission, our Muni fleet has powerful HVAC systems that turn the air over once every minute. And we continue to strongly recommend that staff and passengers wear masks on transit, paratransit, and taxi vehicles to help protect all riders and especially those who remain at higher risk to COVID-19. 
We recently added onboard messages in our vehicles that say, thank you for wearing your mask. It protects you and all riders who may be at risk. This message was developed in collaboration with the Mayor's Office on Disability and builds on best practices developed during past public health campaigns focused on behavior change. The SFMTA will continue to follow public health guidance. When and if the guidance on indoor masking changes, we will adopt that practice. Until then, we will use the demonstrated tools of successful public health campaigns to encourage masking on board. Thank you again for your feedback and for your important work, Jeffrey Tomlin. And that is the only correspondence received in the past month. Great, thank you so much, Debbie. So I think again, um, just uh, as a reminder, public transportation, we just encourage everyone to wear masks at this time. It's for your safety and safety in general. I know that it's a, an ordeal that we've had to go through and we've been doing it together. So just a continued reminder. Moving on to agenda item number nine, this is general public comment. Do we have any public comment at this time, uh, Iman? Um, as a reminder to the public, you can indicate that you want to make public comment in the Zoom platform by clicking on the raise hand icon. You, if you're dialing in by phone, you can dial star nine and it'll you'll be prompted when it's your turn to make public comment. You can also indicate that you want to make public comment uh, by typing in the Q&A box and we'll prompt you when it's your turn. You can also type your comment into the Q&A box and it can be read by the clerk. Uh, at this time, I do not see any members of the public who are indicating they want to make public comment. Okay, so that there's no public comment right now, then see nothing, then we move on to agenda item number 10. Any council member announcements or any events that you would like to announce coming up? Hearing none, um, we want to go ahead and remind everyone um, that there will be no media. Oh, excuse me. I would just, I would like to make just one announcement as just a reminder that in two weeks, um, we're already at the 32nd anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And many of our uh, community organizations are interested in acknowledgements and some are underway in July. It's MOD's hope that we can put some of these uh, things together for everyone, but I just wanted to acknowledge uh, that uh, the anniversary and also thanks to council member, uh, former council member Tiffany Yu. Um, she succeeded in um, making sure that City Hall is lit in purple, which is the international color of disability on July 26, which is the anniversary. So uh, when, you, when uh, you're out and about and, uh, and you can now tell people that you know why City Hall is purple today. It's because of Tiffany's work and your advocacy as a council and uh, international uh, disability awareness in uh, recognition of July 26th. 
Thanks, Orchid. Great. That's right. July 26 is the uh, anniversary for the Americans with Disabilities Act when it was, um, I remember 1990 was the first time we ever had the ADA. And from uh, that uh, point until now, it's been quite a, a road, a journey to get to where we are now, but it's very important. And that's a very important um, and it was signed by President Bush under that administration, and we've had it uh, since. So it's 32 years now. There's still more work to do, and yes, more tweaking to happen, but um, an important federal law. So any reminders to the public? We have no public um, meeting this August. There won't be any meetings, so the next meeting will be in September. So that's it, have a great rest of your summer. And if there's any comments or questions, please, please feel free to contact us directly. Thank you again to the council members and thank you to the MOD staff for all that you've done to make this meeting possible. I appreciate all of your involvement today. Okay, so now is there um, item number 11, uh, move to adjourn. Is there any council member that would like to move to adjourn the meeting? I move. Wonderful. Moved and seconded. So I seconded. Wonderful. Thank you so much to everyone. So we'll go ahead and adjourn this meeting at this time. I'll see you all in September. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Have a good weekend.